Good evening again, ladies. We go ahead and begin our first talk and our retreat, a retreat dedicated to Our Lady by praying the Hail Mary. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So, this is the, the first talk, the talk that starts like at 8.30 when everybody's tired. So I'm going to be merciful, I'm not going to get into too many great details, but hopefully sort of set the tone of where we're going to go for our time together. As you heard, the, the theme of the retreat is the Immaculate Heart of Mary, fountain or streams of grace and mercy. And I'm going to kind of talk about that, but I'm kind of not going to talk about that. Sisters are used to me doing what I want to do, but we are going to talk about Our Lady. And what I want to do, though, is approach it from maybe a little different perspective, one that maybe you are not used to or not expecting. And I like to sort of start by, by noticing the fact, and I think everybody here knows, that devotion to Our Lady, devotion to Mary, is something that has been and continues to be central to the life of the church. Popular piety, of devotion, and love for Our Lady is something that really animates the life of the church and the life of many Christians and Catholics. And it's been that way since the earlier days, but to a degree I think I could make the argument that it sort of reached its apex in the first half of the 20th century. And so if you, some of you may have been alive in the first half of the 20th century, I wasn't, but you can go and do some research. And to know at that time the church seemed to have been very alive and active. And there was great devotion to Our Ladies. Every, Our Lady, every parish had different sodalities to Our Lady. There were these large Marian processions on Marian feast days. People would come to Mass on First Saturday and Marian feast to celebrate with the Blessed Virgin Mary. Great devotion to the Rosary. Um, great love for novenas, and all these different aspects of Marian piety. A lot of people particularly, a great devotion to rosary, maybe sometimes even during Mass, not really paying attention to what's going on. And a lot of it, if you study history, was driven not only by just the general love for Our Lady that Catholics have, but by the Marian apparitions that happened let's say, in the 50 to 100 years preceding those decades. In the 1900s, you have the apparitions of Lourdes in Belgium, of Bonneau and Borang, the Rue de Bach in France and Paris, and of course, Our Lady of Fatima. And we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of the first appearance of Mary to the Shepherd Children this year. And so, after the miracle on October 13th of 1917, 
Mary and devotion to Our Lady and knowledge of Our Lady of Fatima spread throughout the church. You know, to the point that every time we pray that extra little prayer at the end of every decade of the rosary, that comes from Fatima. Different statues of Our Lady of Fatima, devotion to the first Saturdays, people wanting to know what the third secret of Fatima was, waiting all those times for the Pope to reveal the third secret. And then, of course, you have also the fact that in those years preceding, you have two great Marian dogmas proclaimed. First, in 1854, Pope Blessed Pius IX proclaiming the Immaculate Conception as the dogma. And then in 1950, the Assumption. And Carl Ratzinger, of course, who became Pope Benedict XVI, now our Pope Emeritus, talked a little bit about this. He remembered 1950, the Annunciation, I mean, sorry, the Assumption proclaimed as a dogma by Pope Pius XII. There were processions and celebrations all over the world. Catholics rejoiced at the celebration of this dogma. And so people with all this Marian piety, I think we're waiting for that promise of Fatima. We are waiting for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's what Mary said. The Immaculate Heart would triumph over evil in the world. I don't know how many of you were alive at the time, but maybe sort of what I'm saying rings true. But then the 1960s happened, and everything changed. Everything changed. And it's something else that Pope, Ratzler, Pope Benedict talks about. He said, let's look at this, this, this 1950, the proclamation of the dogma of the Assumption. And then within 10 years, 15 years, it all seems to die off. He's writing about that in 1968. And so, this loss of Marian piety. People quit having devotion to Our Lady. There weren't these large Marian processions anymore in the years following the council. People didn't pray the rosary as much as they used to. And you even ask people today, most young people don't, even old people don't even know what the apparition of Fatima was. It's completely foreign to them. It seems in the course of just about 50 years, even with the pontificate of John Paul II, and you know his motto was totus tuus, talking about total consecration to Mary. Even though we see pockets of devotion, I don't think anybody would claim, at least in the West, that devotion to Our Lady is anywhere as strong as it was 50 or 60 years ago. As I said, few families pray the rosary together. There are no processions. People don't know what Fatima was. And I really do honestly believe that, let's say the Pope would proclaim some dogma, some new dogma of Mary tomorrow, most Catholics wouldn't even care. They don't show up for her feast days. Go to Mass on the Assumption. Go to Mass on January 1st. Nobody goes. At least they go, they go because they have to. Where's that love for Our Lady? Where's that devotion? It's sort of fallen apart. Do y'all do do see that? Am I making this up? Can I get some head nods? Okay, yeah, like I know it's 9 o'clock. I know we don't have a pulse yet. I know the sun's going down, but it is. Where's this Marian piety? 
Where's the love for the Immaculate Heart? But the truth is, if we're going to admit, it's not just about Marian piety. It's not like all of a sudden Catholics don't care about Mary, but they care about everything else. They love to read the Catechism. They love to go to Eucharistic adoration. They love to come to retreats. They love to, to go to Mass. It just doesn't exist. A piety isn't as strong as it used to be. There seems to be a real decline in the faith. And a lot of Catholics seeming to almost apostatize, practicing fat mass on Easter and Christmas if they want to. The rosary's not prayed at the home. There's not a knowledge of the faith, a refusal of organized religion, moral confusion, all this stuff going on. Again, I'm making it sound like it's really, really bad. And I'm sure in certain areas of the world, or even in America, it is much better. But we as a church, and we as a, a culture, are going through a real trial of faith. You see, particularly with a lot of the young people, they call them the nons. They don't, they don't believe in anything. They're secular, just sort of going through life. And while we have adults who maybe are still clinging to the faith, wondering where everything went to, why things seem to be so bad. Now, the next part I could talk about, I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but the roots of this crisis of faith run pretty deep. And I'm not here to diagnose at all. In fact, I'm here to sort of offer a solution over the course of our time together. One of the big things is just a cultural shift. At the same time that Vatican II was happening, you begin to see in the 60s a shift in the culture, the sexual revolution, uh, the adoption of all kinds of different ideas in the universities and ideologies. And that began to spread into the culture, particularly through media. And so the church and Christians and Catholics got caught up in a lot of the same things. You begin to see the rise in a real trust in technology and science. And trust me, ladies, I love technology and science. I think it's great that we can fly planes and we have medicine when we get sick and that iPhones and computers help us. But what's happened is, is we as a culture have trust so much in that, people will say, well, why do I need to trust in God? It used to be if you were sick, you'd pray to God and he'd heal you. Now just take some penicillin. If all of a sudden, hey, you know, uh, we're starving, there's a famine, we pray to God for rain. Now you just go down to your local supermarket. That's how it works. Why do we need God? We can come to trust in ourselves. And of course, you all know about moral relativism. This denial that there is any real moral truth beyond what we feel or what we think. And it's led to a lot of moral confusion. So the church might try teaching moral truths, and people said, ah, that's your truth, it doesn't impact me. Most people don't even think about moral truths. They do what they want to do. And that's the culture. And it's affected the church, but you've seen chaos within the church too. In the 60s, the council, the Second Vatican Council, I think the Second Vatican Council was a very, very good thing. But yet, it came at a time when the church wanted to change, that culture was changing too. But you also have a lot of people, priests in particular, who during the period of time changed a lot of things that didn't need to be changed or weren't supposed to be changed, all under the spirit of Vatican II. You got a lot of confusion in regards to what we believe as Catholics, our dogma and our teaching, uh, what morality is. 
I think you go ask a lot of people why the church teaches what she does about certain dogmas or particularly about moral teachings in the area of sexual ethics. Most people simply don't know. They haven't been catechized well at all. It doesn't mean the average Catholic has to be a theologian, but the basic parts of knowledge a lot of people simply don't have, particularly young people today. You ask them the basic questions that maybe you knew from your Baltimore catechism, most of them don't know that. They couldn't tell you the three persons of the Trinity. They may say it's Adam, Eve, and Moses or something like that. I've heard that before, so don't laugh. How crazy it is. And then a big part, too, we've lived through the chaos of the liturgy changes. Vatican II called for some very legitimate changes in the, in the, in the Mass. But a lot of things went sort of crazy in that ritual, that place where we focus around the Eucharist, and a lot of people's parishes went kind of crazy for a time. And now, for a lot of people, as we're going to talk about this later, it's just sort of boring. It's routine. People don't like it. Why do we need all that? Why can't we have some singing and some dancing and some, some more energetic praise and worship? People simply don't get it. But through all that, going back to what I began by saying, Marian devotion and love for Our Lady has seriously been impacted. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Not only the chaos, because I think a lot of people in the church for a period of time said, hey, we want to be able to, to reach out to our Protestant brothers and sisters. And they don't understand or appreciate Our Lady, so we're not going to talk about her. We're not going to have devotions to her because we want everybody to learn to get along. But still, if it was that or anything else, we know that Marian devotion simply isn't as strong. But, but, and this is the whole point of what we want to talk about today, ladies, over the course of the retreat, devotion to Our Lady is still important. Devotion to Our Lady is still crucial. Devotion to Our Lady, a true and living devotion, is probably more important now than it ever has been probably more important now than it ever has been. You cannot have devotion to Jesus and a love for Jesus without a true devotion to Mary. Mary is the image of the church. She's that, that perfect one who was obedient to the will of God, who loved her son. She's the image of all we should be. She's our mother. She's willing to shape us and to form us and to guide us. And she cares and loves for each one of us as her children. And so we need to have devotion to Mary. And trust me, what I want to talk about over the course of this retreat is not why we have to have devotion to Mary, but something a little bit deeper. So if I come out and say, all right, we need to have devotion to Mary, this is sort of the sticking point. A lot of people may say, you know, you're right. We need to go back and, and having all kinds of, let's say, rosary congresses and processions and public rosaries and novenas and all this stuff. And I'm not saying anything of that's bad. A lot of what I'm going to say, some of you may say, Father, you're saying this stuff is bad. No, I'm not. The point is we can't go back to 1950. All right? I'm going to say it right there. Can't go back to 1950. You can't reconstruct a church. You can't reconstruct a mass. You can't reconstruct a Marian piety that you think existed in 1950, but probably didn't. 
But I think that is what a lot of people want to do. All the things that used to exist, which are not bad, well, we're just going to bring them back, and then people are going to flood back to the church. Everyone's going to love Our Lady. The simple truth is that's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. And what it reveals quite often is the reactionary tendency. And I see a lot in the church. So here we are, devout Catholics. We want to love Jesus. We want to love Mary. And we see all this chaos. And so what do we do when we see chaos? We go back to something that we know is good or safe. And quite often, as I said, what we think it was really actually wasn't what it really was. But you can't go back in time. You can't go back to some other idyllic period and just bring that today. We need to have traditions. I'm not saying we abandon the rosary or abandon statues or abandon processions. I'm not saying that at all. But we've got to be able to have our Marian devotion and the traditions in 2017. Because the truth is, we've moved forward. As much as there's been chaos, there have been some really, really good things that have happened. And so we need to have a renewal of Marian devotion in the church that draws from the tradition, that respects the devotions, that integrates them, but is something suitable for 2017. And as much as I see people sort of kicking up and wanting to have Marian devotion and a lot of what we see in true devotion to Mary and the 33 days to morning glory and all these things, they're wonderful and they're good and they're necessary. But I want to spend some time analyzing or thinking about what Marian devotion today should look like. So when we talk about the Immaculate Heart of Mary, again, what do we think of? We think a picture, there's a heart, and some fire coming out of it, and there's some roses around it, and maybe some swords in it. We're all for that. But if we want to take that, and I don't want to say update it, but to bring it so it is something that is relevant for people today, something that is meaningful and helps us deepen our understanding who Our Lady was and is, who Jesus is, and who we should be as Christians and Catholics who love Our Lady. So what we're doing here today is sort of, or over the course of the retreat, is not just a bunch of pious phrases. I certainly could have done that. Today we're going to talk about the roses around Mary's Immaculate Heart, and they symbolize the roses of her love. Or we're going to look at the seven swords in her heart, or the fire of love for Jesus, and I could quote all kinds of saints, and I could tell you how wonderful it was, and it could just vomit forth a bunch of saccharine pious phrases. And I'm not against any of those things, but that's not what I'm about. Today, what we're going to do is sort of challenge and as you're going to see, I'm not going to have all the answers at all. And if we're going to figure out some answers of how to have an authentic piety and renew Marian devotion, that's the goal. Let's renew Marian devotion, make it authentic. It's going to have to be something that Catholics who love Our Lady really pour themselves into. So over the course of asking these questions of what are the elements of a genuine renewal of Marian devotion. Genuine renewal of devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and what it looks like. I'm not going to have a lot of practical solutions. 
but instead to give some ideas for us to think about. What should the soul of Marian devotion look like today? What are those essential elements? What can we understand and transform our love for Our Lady so that we can be a part of the renewal of devotion in the church? I really think it's something that Our Lord and Our Lady want. But if all we want to do is go back to what it was in 1950, it's not going to work. Or if we sit around and do what we're doing now, it's probably not going to work either. If we are going to help bring renewal, we're all going to have to be a part of it in promoting a deeper message of God's love for us and the true heart and nature of who Our Lady is. So, over the course of the rest of our retreat together, We have four talks left. This is the first one. This is the easy one. This is the introduction. I'm going to offer my own thoughts from my 17 years as a priest, from my own prayer, as meager as it may be, and my own devotion to Our Lady, of what I think the three main essential elements of a proper devotion to the Immaculate Heart, a proper love for Our Lady and a Marian devotion should look like, and possibly, hopefully, offer a few ideas of how we could implement it. Again, it's going to be sort of painting in very, very broad strokes, but what I'm hoping to do, ladies, is give you something to think about, is give you something to pray about, because in the fifth talk, that's where we're going to try to bring it all together. How we take these ideas that either I've given to you, or that you have on your own, or that you've prayed about, and bring it back, and in your family, and in your parish, with your your spouse, with your friends, to help bring about this renewal of an authentic Marian devotion that speaks to people in 2017. Because as you'll see, it's you who are going to do it, not so much me. I give you ideas, but it's going to be the boots on the ground that make it happen. There are other aspects, too. I could probably, if this was an eight-day retreat, I'd probably give you seven dimensions of proper Marian piety, but I don't have that. I'm going to give you three that I think are essential. And so now, if I was a nice guy, I'd probably tell you what they are, but I'm not. I'm not going to tell you what they are, because it would ruin the surprise. And in fact, it's part of what I like to give is sort of the homework for tonight. I know we're all worn out, and I'm going to bring this talk to an end. It's not going to go on much longer. I'm not Father Roger Landry. I don't talk for an hour and a half. That's a little joke for the sisters. They know who Father Roger is. He's a good friend of mine. I can say that. But no, we're tired. We're worn out. But I'm going to offer a few points of homework. And in fact, I try to do that after each uh, talk so that when you have something to meditate on, something to pray about, something to work with, The first is, what does Marian devotion look like in your life? And so in a certain sense, practically, do you have a devotion to the rosary? Do you pray 500 novenas? Do you like to go to different Marian masses? Whatever it is. is, maybe, Maybe some of you have no devotion to Our Lady. Maybe some of you don't even know who Mary is. I don't know. What does it look like in your life? But here's the deeper question. 
not just practically, but who is Mary to you? I think that's the key word here. Again, you could pray all these roads and devotions, but who is Mary to you? Is she a queen? Is she mother? Is she some super saint? Is she a picture on the wall? How would you describe your relationship with Our Lady? Who she is to you? That's the first one. And we're going to have 60 different women, 60 different answers. Okay? But it's for you to begin with saying, okay, this is where we're starting. This is where I am now. Number two, what does Mary and devotion look like in your parish, in your community? I mean, I know I think there are probably six or seven parishes represented here. What does it look like? Do you have a parish that has a very strong Marian devotion? Do you have a lot of sodalities? Are there rosary groups? Do you celebrate Marian feast days? Or, you know, does it look more like a Protestant church? <laughs> you don't even talk about Our Lady. Does the priest promote devotion to Mary? Did y'all celebrate Fatima? Did anything happen for that? What does it look like in your parish or community? Because the reason I say that is because if we have a renewal of Marian devotion, it's going to be in your life or the life of the Catholic and then spread to different parishes, spread to different communities. And so, third, and this is the real thing, let's see if y'all get it right. What would you say the three core elements or focal points of a genuine Marian devotion today should look like? Again, these are not practical things. So if you put the answers, people should pray the rosary. That's not the answer I'm looking for. We know we should pray the rosary. I'm looking for something more essential. What is it about Mary that's going to really help us renew Marian devotion, particularly making it attractive to people who really don't understand Our Lady, who don't have a Marian devotion? You simply can't say, hey, go pray this novena. I'm looking to get to the soul, to the heart, the core of what devotion to Our Lady should look like today. And so again, y'all are going to probably come up with all kinds of answers that are different than mine, but are absolutely correct. But that's where the work has to start being done. Well, it's taking this to prayer, of thinking about it, talking about it with others. So what we're going to do is tomorrow morning, after breakfast and everything, I'm going to go ahead and give the talk on the first element that I think is essential and then give some homework to there. And you can see how many, there's no prize if you got them all right. Unless sister has a prize for y'all. No, she doesn't. Uh, but you can at least know that you got them all right if you did. Uh, and so hopefully really begin to help you as individuals increase your love and devotion for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. To know Our Lady is more than just a picture on the wall, more than just a recitation of beads, but is a real living person who cares about us. She's our mother who watches out for us and so we can deepen our relationship and devotion to her. Does that sound good, ladies? All right. Is this what y'all thought you were going to get yourself into today? Sorry, if you've ever been to retreat with me, I'm not very good at all the little pious phrases and all this kind of stuff, it's just not me. Uh, I love Our Lady, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective. So, before Sister kicks me off, we are going to have 
time for confessions. I think I'm going to hear some confessions tonight. So remember, let's be merciful. I'll be merciful if you're merciful. Is there anything else, sister? No. So why don't we just go ahead and close with the glory be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you'll get some sleep tonight so that y'all can laugh at the funny things I say tomorrow. It's presuming I have funny things to say. Thank you all, ladies.